Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. In the words of the great Dr. Tedros, how are you all today? Joining me is my good friend, Betty Hovey. Hey, Betty. Hey, y'all. Hey, Christine. Hey. Yeah, she's joining me here on National Muffin Day. Banana and, nut. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure I've got some bananas in there that need addressing. I'm pretty bad about that. Every time I go to the store, oh, we need more bananas. And uh, I don't know if that happens in everyone's house. It's also <laughs> National Cherry Pie Day. Mm. Yeah, so I'm not, not a, not a big person. cherry. I like pie, but not, I'm not so much of a cherry pie fan. I like pie, chocolate I like, cream but... pie. Oh, that's the best. Not that French silk stuff, though. It's too rich. No, 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 no. Just OG, old yeah. school, right? Yep. And banana cream. Mm. Well, there's what we can do with those bananas. There you go. Mm. <laughs> so today we're going to tackle... Uh, evaluation and management coding. So last time we were together, Shannon DeConde and I, we talked about the guidelines for evaluation and management. And today, Betty, you are going to help us understand all that is evaluation and management. No pressure. Oh, yeah. 30, 30 minutes. We're good. <laughs> so my favorite part about evaluation and management is how it's divided by the place of service. And then it's further divided between new or established or initial and subsequent. And it, it really helps map it out from that perspective. Where are they and what's the relationship? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I think um, um, the way they've got the, the whole section set up with the categories and the subcategories yeah, you can tell, and that's good since it's the thing that most, unless you're a radiologist or a pathologist, you know, everybody's in there. So to set it up in the way they have it set up, I think is, is really good from back in the old days when we just had visits. Oh, my I know gosh. you're, yes, yes. That, yes that's you, old you and I school. are uh, pre E&M. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> when we used to just take darts and throw it against the wall and like, that's what it is. It's an intermediate. For a lot of level. things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, um, I had a physician that I worked with once that he said when, when um, he was first in practice and trying to figure all this stuff out, he was an independent. He said he would take he, that book. He was that book and he would point at the CBT book. You know, he said, I take that book home and I would sit down and his wife was an attorney and he said, and we'd look into that book and we would figure out where I was supposed to be and, and what I was doing. And then we would just kind of talk about it. And then we would just pick one. We would just, you know, we, we would just pick one we thought was, <laughs> we thought was kind of there. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I worked for that type of provider as well. And then when the 95 guidelines were published, uh, I remember that's when the templates were really, the, yes. the templates really became popular. And there were yes. a lot of those organizations out there that were promoting these specific types of templates for, yes. we would go to these conferences and they would, there yes. was a book and there was the templates and you know who I'm talking about. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and they were good for a while. They really were, they, they were, they were very helpful. Um, yes. But I think that we got lost somewhere between 95 and 21. 
kind of electronic medical records. So yes, yes, I, I moving those templates over to the EHRs, um, and then you know everything is is just in a click box. And if there's a box there, God bless them. They they feel like they have to check it. You know, so you, you so the notes end up being twelve pages long, and the patient's got you know a hypertension checkup with no problems. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it just yeah, it got a little out of hand. So I was real glad when um, they went back to the drawing board at what E and M is supposed to be about. You know, uh, which is the um, thought processes of coming up with your treatment plan for that patient, which includes the history and physical, because you have to do that to decide all the things that you will want to do or may need to do and tests. And, you know, so those parts are important. But I've always thought like when we had the old ones and when you had where you had to only have two of the three key components, right? I was very strong with my clients that one of those two needs to be MDM. You, you know, and I both. Uh, like you can't tell me that you've got fives all day because you do a comprehensive history and a comprehensive exam on every patient and they have right. a cold or they right. have a rash. I'm like, technically, yes. I'm like, but you're not meeting it. So I'm glad that CMS hit that medical necessity piece. And so I got to push them, you know, to MDM. So I'm glad now that that's where the crux of it is, because I think in my opinion, that's where it's always should have been. That's where they do their work. Unfortunately, that's also where they're the worst at documenting. (laughs) Well, I think there that again, I blame a lot on the EMR systems. Um, I think, you know, Providers have a lot on their plates, but I have to remind providers that the new guidelines that are in place, and this is this is kind of how I think about it, requires a an, an medically appropriate history and exam. What does that mean? It means, tell me what's the problem that's coming today. Let me go back one step. Evaluation and management isn't doing a head to toe on each patient every single visit to try to catch everything. You think about it, evaluation and management, that chief complaint sets the tone for the visit. What is it that you're going to evaluate? So then we hear from the patient's perspective. How is your condition doing? How's that blood pressure? Have you been checking it? Have you had any symptoms related to the blood pressure? Maybe there's something new they want to bring to the table. But let's try to make sure that we've addressed at least the issue that's coming to us today. Then let's do the facts. That's where the doctoring comes in. Do the facts. Doctors went to school for a really long time to understand what the lungs are supposed to sound like. What is the heart supposed to sound like? Those are facts. Then it's that evaluation. How we're going to manage these facts and that patient's information that they've provided. Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? Is it working? Is Do we need to try something else? Do we need to pivot? If they're doing great, give them props. Yeah, you're doing great. Keep taking your meds. If they're not, do they need a talking to? Do they need meds increased? Is it time to refer them out? Sometimes they might be so sick that you think about taking them to the hospital. Yep. Those are truly the things that make a difference, whether it's a low-level visit or a high-level visit. What did it look like today? Yep. 
yeah. your thoughts. No, those are those are excellent because that's that's what um, that's what we're talking about, and and that's where um, we we get into it with talking about the documentation and what they're doing is that they have to show that thought process. You know, with that medically appropriate history and exam, what is it about the focus visit today that you are looking at? You know, we don't need the history of, you know, what's been going on with them for the past 20 years and, you know, everything that if it has nothing. Well, they had a sinus cold five years ago. Did you know that? Yep. Yep. And I had one in their social history was putting things about, well, this one, I'm not talking to my sister lately. I'm like, that's not the kind of social history that we're talking about. What? And I was what? actually seeing it in their notes. I'm like, no, we're not gossiping here. This is not what this is for, you know? Um, so it, it, it's supposed to be relational to what you're seeing them for, for the visit today. And so now that's all the history you need. You don't have to have, 10 of this and 12 point review system. I have a client, I swear that I'm looking at that, that we do audits on. They have a 30 point system review. What and I'm like, I, I, that would require 30 points. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now, now there is a visit in the about in EM section for that head to toe deep eval. And those are the preventive services. Preventive medicine. They're amazing. And now with the Affordable Care Act, we can have our preventive visit once a year covered at 100%. Yep. And yep. if they find anything, then they can continue to evaluate and manage it through the rest of the year. Yep. But yep. that head to toe, that fishing expedition, that investigatory visit, that's a preventive visit. Yeah. And, yep. you know, providers may feel that their patients need to have those more often. But they need to remember that payers only agreed to pay for one of those per year. Otherwise, they pay for evaluating and managing the patient's conditions, not for the head to toe. I'm not saying that's not good medicine. I love it if my doctor would do that head to toe at every visit. But my payer didn't agree to that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and I see that, you know, I mean, when you look at their other stuff, you know, a lot of stuff is on that annual roll through with things. And uh, if you're a, um, doesn't even have to be younger, but just a healthy person, you know, um, I think a good head to toe once a year, you know, uh, is all that's necessary. You're kind of looking to see, is there something else there that might be creeping up that, you know, we don't look at because you don't complain about it. Because mm -hmm. it's not bothering you, but that once a year head to toe, oh, we might find something we need to investigate a little bit more. Um, but I don't see, I mean, if patients want that more often, they're free to have it. They just are going to have to understand that they bear the cost of that then, you know. Right. Um, but I, I think uh, the preventive medicine visits, um, and they're easy to code, you know, are they established? Are they new? Uh, and how old are they? You know, you're not having to do, even when we had the old guidelines, there's not a lot of rigmarole when it comes to the preventive medicine visits. Um, you know, you can look on certain payors guidelines and certain things they expect to see in those notes and stuff like that. But for the most part, you know, you're, you're, they're healthy or they have other conditions also. 
And you kind of, my thing with those was always that they were wanting to report separately the uh, sick visit ENM. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, why? Well, the patient has hypertension. Okay. And you didn't know that before today's visit? Yes, we knew it. And I said, okay, but we refilled their medication. Okay. Did you change their medication? No, we just gave them all the refills. Uh, well, that's kind of part of preventive medicine, you know, and, and that was kind of the, the thing. And it still is. We get a lot of questions. I get a lot of questions on that about when does a separate E&M become allowable during Absolutely. a preventive medicine visit. And I agree and I with you. Tell them it's, it's just like when they do minor procedures, when can you get yeah. a separate E&M? So I kind of put them together in thought process for them. Well, I think, you know, you, you hit it on the head and there is a lot of controversy over preventive visits and, and evaluation and management visits and what warrants an additional evaluation and management visit. Well, I think we need to go back and remember that the evaluation, it must be significant enough that it it increases either the amount of data or it increases the amount of risk, at least two of those components, because you need three of the key components, right? If it doesn't increase that, oh, Betty, you're doing so good on your hypertension. Let's just refill that meds. Let me click a button right here. That'll be an additional $200, please. (laughs) Whoa, wait a minute. If I knew that was the case, right, from a patient's perspective, think about that. Um, So was that significant enough, clicking that one button and refilling those meds? If everything is going well, again, I'm not minimizing medicine because I'm not a clinical person, but if you have to evaluate it beyond what you've already asked me about it, I'm here for my preventive. Yes, I have high blood pressure. Yes, I take my meds. Yes, my blood pressure has been good. Yes, it was good when I came in today. I just need you to refill the med. Then how would that be significant and separately beyond all the services in the E&M? Again, I'm, I don't want to argue with anybody. I'm not, that's right. not the case. It's just my thought process behind it is I would expect as the definition of modifier 25, that there would be more yeah. for that extra. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 You look for, um, you know, it's not so hot with my blood pressure or my blood pressure today is like 160 over 100. Well, now we have a different issue. So it's all about taking everything individually. So I never try to give blanket statements. I always say, you know, and I hate, that's one thing I used to always hate, you know, that it depends kind of, but with what we do, I'm like, you tell me one different piece of information, my answer could change. So you right. really do have to individually take each and everything. So, you know, on that basic, they have chronic conditions. They're all fine. You're asking them as you should when they come for a preventive visit, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're annual. Uh, you just refill their meds and everything's good. That's part of it. But if any piece goes out of that, you may have a separate E&M. So your blood pressure is really high today. Right. I have asthma, you know, um, you know, my asthma has really been bothering me. The seasons are going back and forth. It's cold. It's hot. It's cold. It's hot. 
I'm coughing, you know, I'm having trouble now. I've been doing some wheezing. I think, you know, I did a nebulizer treatment the other day. Well, okay. And how long has this been going on? Well, now you're starting to take that sidetrack. Well, yeah, and then you ready, look at that sidetrack. You can't let them walk out the door without dealing with it. Think about it from that perspective. If I'm just refilling meds, I could have called you on the phone and you would have refilled my meds. You may have an internal policy that says I've got to be seen X amount of times, but technically speaking, you can call those meds into the pharmacy, right? Now, again, like you said, that I would expect the patient to have something that we need to deal with before they walk out the door. And if that is the case, then, you know, maybe there's a good argument for modifier 25. But if there is absolutely nothing that needs to be addressed before the patient walks out the door where the provider thinks, I don't have a problem with him walking out. I don't need to make a change to the care plan. I don't need to do anything. This person will be fine till the next visit. I just don't see a significant separately identifiable. Again, going to be based on documentation. Every case is individual. Yeah. But I think this is good overall conversation to make people think when we use that. The other thing is, is a lot of payers out there have really been scrutinizing modifier 25. The OIG yeah. has, the RAC has. So if we know that this is an issue, if we know that we've got officials looking at it, payers questioning it to the point where they're going to hold our claims hostage. Last year, we got threatened to our claims to be held hostage. And mm -hmm. is it not worth us taking some time internally and really focusing on that definition? Just a thought. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That, that is a modifier that since it came out has forever been on the OIG work plans. And I, I mean, mm -hmm. we've just been dealing with it forever. Um, so you, you really do have to make sure. And, and a little tip that I give my people when they do have a situation like that, where they have a preventive medicine and they think they also have a sick visit, you know, make two notes, do your preventive medicine visit documentation. Then underneath it say, at the preventive medicine visit, patient complained of. So now you know you're stepping outside and it's yep. separated, you know. And so if an auditor from the payor were to look at it, they would go, oh. So instead of everything all crammed together where they're trying to pick stuff out, because you know they're not going to spend that much time trying to do that for you, <laughs> you know, do it for them to where they go, okay, there's the PM visit and here's something else. Let me look at that. You know, it's already separately identified, isn't it? Because you're making yeah. it as two listings. And, you know, they tell us that it doesn't require a separate diagnosis. No, it However, doesn't. it's very difficult. I mean, there's some diagnosis that you're not going to be able to. Hypertension doesn't have a separate code to say it was elevated today or it was unstable today. So for right. that, you may have hypertension as one of the diagnoses for your preventive. And because it was elevated today, you could have the same code represented in an ENM. But for those conditions where the specificity does result in a separate code, think about how easy it would make it that a payer could understand, you know, that today's visit, their diabetes had hyperglycemia, or today's visit, the asthma was exacerbated. So we we show that difference in that ENM code that's being added, not ENM, the ICD-10 code that's being yes. added on the claim. 
you know, um, um, a couple of weeks ago, I did a session for AAPC and I showed the how to speak, how to communicate with payers. And it was all visual, Betty, where we just brought up a claim form because that's all the payer ever sees. Yeah. So what are we saying on those claim forms? Think about that. The next time that you're going to add a modifier 25, how do I make this clear to the payer that it was indeed a significant separately identifiable visit? I couldn't let the patient walk out the door today without evaluating and creating some sort of management of this problem today. Where does that differential lie? So think about that when, when, um, when you're trying to make that decision there, how do I tell this story properly in my codes? Yep, yep. That's a great idea about the, the claim. Uh, I'll have to go check that one out. Yeah, that's the only way that we communicate with them. They have no yep. idea what is in that documentation. They're assuming that we have coded it as specific as possible to what was actually written. So... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now in E&M, we've got some other great codes. We have chronic care. I mean, uh, yeah, chronic care services, neonatal services, critical care services. Yeah. And, and you think about it, evaluation and management. That's it's probably the toughest section in this entire CPT book because yeah. it, it's going to vary today. It's going to yeah. be different than tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be different than the next day. Yeah, that's like when they, um, uh, back in the day, uh, one of my former things was um, uh, coding ED, you know, emergency department services. And boy, I thought that was just the greatest thing ever because it was always every record you picked up, it was different. It wasn't doing the same thing time after yeah. time, um, which is why, plus I really got some good stories. I mean, you know, back before, you know, like HIPAA, you know, you can't go around, but mm -hmm. Ooh, some of the stuff that we would see in there coming through was was quite uh, quite interesting. Um, but yeah, it was always different. And it is yep. that same way from patient to patient, patients with the same condition. You know, like when when um, I was watching your, your thing with Shannon and, you know, hypertension, you know, that's a four. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. You know, this patient, you could have a patient that has hypertension and it's a three. The next patient's hypertension is a four. Then, you know, so... It's um it it gets that variance because it's all dependent on the patient, what the patient's presenting with today, and what you're doing about it. So their comorbid conditions also come up in there, which is an ICD ten point that a lot of people forget sometimes. I'm like, no, I, I'm if you're raising something from a three to a four or a four to a five. Or, you know, because of these comorbid conditions, because the physician had to or the APP had to do something else because of their diabetes or because of their COPD, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and they document it, you know, um, then you also need to put that on the claim form because, as you said, that's all they see. They don't see the note. They don't know. So unless you put the ICD-10 code for it. They're never going to mm -hmm. understand that there's that extra complexity. Same with the SDOH codes. You know, if oh, you're yes. taking that, if you're taking that moderate under risk because they do have an SDOH factor, they're homeless, they have food insecurity, whatever it might be. Well, the payor won't know that unless you put that Z code on the claim form. You know, right. um, 
So I think that's the other piece sometimes that people kind of don't hit. They, they want to hit. Well, they only look at the first ICD-10 code. Well, no, not actually. I mean, they're looking at it to make sure there's a medical necessity match if you're doing a procedure or what. But right. there's reasons why you put those other ICD-10 codes on the claims absolutely it's it just makes sense to continue and tell the whole thing to support those levels of service that you're reporting i couldn't agree with you more could not agree with you more betty i think that is so super important is is to be able to distinguish what it looks like so i had a provider who constantly i think i mentioned this before they constantly were telling me how sick the conditions can get and yeah. they have a sicker population and the conditions that they treat are conditions that, and I'm not minimizing that, not at all. Yeah. However, we're not trying to find a level of service for what may happen in the future. It's almost the equivalent of saying, you know what, next week is going to be a heavy week at work. So let's just double the hours that I think I'm going to work next week. And I'll submit them for this time period. So rather than 40 hours this week, you know, I think next week's going to take me more time. Um, and, and now looking at this project, you know, it's a three month project. Let's just go ahead and do 60 hours a week for the next, you know, three weeks because it, it could be that long. Yeah. Are you, we would never think twice about that. That sounds crazy. But yeah. to tell me that you're going to bill a level four, a level five for someone who came in with a stable condition or an acute condition because it could get worse. That is exactly that craziness that you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So prolonged services. I, yeah. <laughs> I bet he was sitting there thinking, Christine's not going to say it, not going to say it. <laughs> I said it. So we had some changes in prolonged services. It seems like different payers are thinking different things. And AMA is thinking uh, they haven't been very, nothing is jiving. No, well, I'm just glad that finally with the 15 minute thing that CMS and CPT are in agreement. So oh, we yeah. don't have all of that. Well, if it's CMS, you go through this one and here's this. But CPT, you have to do it this way. Now, with CMS, sometimes you have to use the G codes instead. You know, But at least when you're counting and you're trying to figure out units, you, know, you can match them accordingly. And it's not now you know, two different things. Because math, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I like math. But, you know after a while, it's just like, okay, you know, I have to math again. So you know, I'm not going to lie. I wish they would have made this change in the beginning and everybody yes. would have been on the same page. Yes. It is very difficult to unteach providers once you've taught them. Um, yes. And, and sometimes providers even question our authority on the subject when we have to come back to them later and say, remember when I told you before that as soon as the 15 minutes kicks in, well, now I'm going to come back and tell you no. Um, and a lot of the EMR companies, again, I, it's not like I'm against EMR companies, but um, they did not switch that time within their... No. Right. So you still have a lot of EMR companies that even, you know, as we enter into, we're mid-February now, 
we still have those companies that haven't made that switch to allow the prolonged services at the end of the 15 minutes rather than yep. at the beginning of the 15 minutes. Um, yep. And so we could be inadvertently submitting those prolonged services incorrectly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, uh, I still have some there. I have a client that their system is still pulling up the 95 guidelines on their ENMs. Yeah, you know, I do too. Yeah. And yeah. they called and said, no, 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 we have the ability to do 2021, but you have to modify your templates um, and you can do it or we can do it. And we charge this, you know, ridiculous five figures uh -huh. to redo your template. Um, unfortunately, that's going to leave us with a lot of of encounters still being documented inappropriately. Yes. Um, yes. But we'll see. We'll see what what the future holds for us. Yes. Well, and I think that goes back to the fact that the the EHR companies have coders, but they're not our kind of coders. You know, <laughs> they're the zero and one coders, you know, um, right, that right. are making these programs and they don't know what they're making. They're told this is what we need you to build and they build it, you know, right. so teaming them up with someone. Um, you know, that has those expertise areas, you know, that's why I like systems that um, there's one, I, I, I don't throw, I try not to throw names out there, but there's one that's kind of drafted by practitioners for practitioners, you know, you get those where, you know, they understand what's behind the stuff. Uh, and I, I've noticed that sometimes those systems are much better at that kind of stuff than ones that, you know, it's just, hey, yeah. I got an idea, we can make this, you know, EHR system and you know, they don't have the right people kind of building the back ends of it where you see some of this stuff on the front where you're like, why is that even showing up? And right. that doesn't belong over there. And why is that here? You well, know, because um, computer programmers are waffle thinkers. Yeah. So they go, you know, compartment, compartment to compartment. If we build this, this will turn out great. If we build this, they, they you know, the block system where medical coder slash biller, as most of us end up being with having to understand payer policies, we're spaghetti brained because you've got to see where does this lead? Okay, we'll start off here, but then now the payer says this, but wait, we have a guideline here and then wait, it's going to dip down around here. There's another guideline. Woo, fee for service. Oh, value-based mm -hmm. reimbursement. It yeah. it can be very complicating on on that end of coding. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and right. then it'll change tomorrow. Uh, oh my gosh, absolutely. That's the only thing that we can count on in this industry, isn't it? There you go. <laughs> Betty, we have come to the end of our time together. Wow. It always goes too quickly. Now, before we go, there's a few things that I want to talk about. You have this amazing evaluation and management leveling tool. And go ahead. Yeah, we you know have. Than um, I do. <laughs> we have uh, on our site, on my site, the chcs.consulting, um, we have some uh, hard tools. I have a. Uh, which we make like this pocket size one and then we have a desk size one that's bigger, but you can use uh, wet erase markers or washable mm -hmm. markers on them and just wipe them off and keep reusing them. They're really nice. Uh, and they have on her desk at all times. I've, they I've, have all the you know, categories on one side. Oops, sorry. Didn't mean to talk over you. Um, and then the MDM table. And then we, uh, I, 
in collaboration with Sonal Patel at SP Collaborative, we designed some electronic tools. So they're digital that um, you can just download them and they're the categories, but they're separated. So we more concentrate like on the office visit one. So on the front side is the, you know, the levels of the codes, but then there's also tips and examples. And then the backside has the MDM table. So we did that for some of the for five different categories of EM codes. Um, wow. And they're very, very inexpensive. I, I One of them is, is like $5.99. I mean, it, oh. it, you click it, you download it, you have it. Um, wow. So it's something really, really good. I, I think um, with having the tips and examples on it for people that maybe newer or kind of are trying to get their brain into the new version of how we're doing it to have those tips and examples on there. Um, plus the guidelines are smattered in there for what's appropriate for whatever category it is, you know, cause you know, me, it's, it's gotta have some kind of guideline stuff in there <laughs> because, Absolutely. you know, that's important, but um, yeah, they're, they're, I think they're really good. And um, uh, I'm also going to be doing an ENM workshop in March so nice. for people that are looking to kind of refresh on the stuff, because they did do, and I think um, they didn't do code changes, you know, other than adding the new pelvic exam right. kind of code. But the guidelines, the way they changed some of them and what they added in there is really important. And people need to yeah. kind of dig into that stuff, like the multiple ENMs on the same day. They made a whole Absolutely. section for that now. And because you, you used to kind to, of go there through was, those. Right. The old days, there was one set of rules. We were kind of encouraging our providers don't do two ENMs on the same day, regardless. And things yep. have changed. That's what I keep telling people is things have changed, my friends. Yes. For diagnosis coding, for CPT coding. Uh, and, and that is really what's going to help our industry out so much is understanding how to code correctly. Yes. Yes. And to do that, sometimes you need a little assistance. And, you know, so to, to go to somebody like Christine, like myself, you know, looking for a webinar, looking for a class, looking for something, even, you know, have somebody come. I also will go on site to do them so it can be you know, for your people kind of thing. Uh, just getting that little extra bit might be what kind of spurns you into saying, okay, I get it now. Um, you know, but it's, it's driving, you know, the finances of the practice and yeah. with the conversion factor, with what happened with that this year and the payments being what they are, y'all need every dollar you deserve in that practice. So you really have to make sure that you're doing it right, you know, if you want to keep your doors open and see patients and treat patients and get new equipment and get all that stuff. So, you know, it's important to watch Christine's show and to, to take other things that, that are going to help y'all to make sure that you've got that down to keep the practice viable and thriving. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better, Betty. You know, education is is power. Knowledge is power, right? Yeah. And, and that's how we're going to be successful. So thanks so much for coming on the show today. I, I always you. love hanging out with you, Betty. So this is, this is so much fun. I love it. And yeah, we'll have to do another uh, luncheon soon. Absolutely. And anybody yeah. else out in Florida, if you'd like to join us for our, our quarterly luncheons, please feel yeah. free to reach out to either one of us. Betty's contact fun. information. 
should be coming across just uh, there you go. So reach out to Betty at CHCS Consulting and we will see you all soon. Thank you so much. Thanks y'all. Bye. Thanks for watching.